old, it's just because I could be your grandfather. So, um, but we've gone through Crazy Love, Francis Chan's book, and we've gone through just most recently John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. And as I've been saying, you don't read those books and go through those books unless you're pretty serious about uh, your relationship with the living God. So it seemed good to me, and the Lord laid it on my heart to exhort these young people as they leave not to forget what God has said to them while they have been here. And uh, so that's what this very short uh, sermon series has been about. Last Wednesday night, we started with this verse, Psalm 63, Because your love is better than life, I praise you, O Lord. And I said to the group, if you don't understand that verse, you don't understand Christianity. And then we looked at the New Testament counterpart that I preached on four weeks ago. Philippians 1.21 To live is Christ, to die is Gain. If you don't understand that text, you don't understand the heartbeat of biblical Christianity. Um, biblical Christianity is to know God like this. It's to love God like this. That's what it is. At its core, at its heart, it's to love and know God this way, because your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. If you don't understand that text, I don't really think you've met Jesus Christ yet. Or you would know for sure that His love is better than life. And thanks to Bertha for praising God for another year of life. It is an amazing gift, right? It's an inexpressibly sweet gift that God gives to us. But it is nothing compared to the gift of Jesus Christ. I shared with the group that, uh, yeah, it's, it's a problem for the young people. It's a problem for you too because it comes into my preaching. I've been listening to Francis Chan a lot and Francis Chan's pretty radical. He's an American preacher. and You know, he actually believes the Bible and he actually believes we should do what the Bible says. That is radical. Um, even in uh, what is called the evangelical church. Um, but he was talking about lukewarmness. Right? And he said this. He said, you know, I've preached on lukewarmness a lot. And, uh, you know, Revelation chapter 3, the famous verse and he says, you know, I can see it on faces. It's like, um, you'll preach about it and it'll bother some people and some people will feel convicted. Well, I, I, I guess I probably am lukewarm. And they'll feel kind of bad about it, but five minutes out the door, it's left their mind. They don't care anymore, right? It's like, I don't care. It's not important to me. But then he said something worse, if, it, if there is something worse. He says, I've met people who call themselves Christians, lukewarm is the plan. Right? That's the plan. That's how I relate to God. That's my plan. I just want to hang around the periphery. I just want to be, you know, maybe in the church, you know, in case hell's real. I don't want to go to hell. 
but I don't really love Him. He doesn't really stir my affections. Um, and I thought, I thought, wow, that was really powerful. We talked about that some Wednesday evening. And I forgot to tell you, young adults, you know what Wednesday is, right? What is Wednesday? Homework. homework. Semester homework is due. So I hope, have you done your homework, anybody? Okay, well, you've got a few more days. You've got a few more days. So a couple of years ago, I, I preached a sermon series called Our God is God and We Should Live Like It, right? This is what Francis Chan's talking about in Crazy Love and P- John Piper's talking about in Don't Waste Your Life. You heard me read the psalm. Our God is God before whom the whole earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. And you can be lukewarm toward this God? If you're a thinking man or woman, you can't be lukewarm toward this God. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Psalm 145, great is the Lord and highly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 114, uh, 115, I think we talked about last week. God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. You're going to be lukewarm toward this God? Listen, I, 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 I... Yeah, I I appeal to you on a supernatural level. I'm appealing to you on a spiritual level. But even on a rational, logical level, I appeal to you. How can you be indifferent toward this God? How How is it possible that any human being could be lukewarm? Toward the God of Scripture, we saw it a couple of weeks ago, Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain. And then we followed that sermon up with, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I run to win. Amen? And listen, I'm sending you young people off. And this is how I want you to live. This is my gift to you. This is God's gift through me to you. Go do crazy love. And go do don't waste your life. And never look back. You'll have no regrets on the day you die you'll have no regrets if you'll give yourself to radically following Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Hebrews 11.6. We must not only believe that God is, we believe that He is... You tell me. We believe that He is good. He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. We believe it. And because we believe it, we live it. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. You know, academic belief is of no value when it comes to the Bible and Christianity. (laughs) Academics is, yeah, that's a whole different subject. If you don't live it, you do not believe it. It's the, yeah, the unbroken message of Scripture. Last week we saw Abraham. How does a man obey God like Abraham obeyed God? Genesis 22. Go and sacrifice your son. And I loved, I loved what we saw there. He, you know, Abraham, every time God called him, Abraham said, here I am! Here I am! It's like, it was like as we talked about, you know, Abraham was spring-loaded to hear God. Every day he got up, 
I'm spring-loaded to hear God, and if I hear God, I say, here I am. What would you have me do, Lord? The God before whom the earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. I'll do anything you call me to do. Even sacrifice my son, who I love above all things. Beloved, this is biblical Christianity. This is biblical Christianity. We saw that Abraham, he didn't hesitate. We, we, we saw that Eugene Peterson paraphrase. He plunged into obedience. And, and what I want to say to you young adults and all you old people too, older people, you know, you've got to be ready to plunge into obedience, right? Quit being so timid. Go with God. You win. You win. You lose if you don't go with God. Our God is God, so how then should we live? Monster faith, right? Monster faith in the world. That's how the disciple of Jesus should live. So, it doesn't happen very often, but I was preaching last week. It was on the audio. I, I heard it. Um, as I was preaching, I said to you that I was going to preach Moses this week, that the Lord had put it in my head. To, this never happens. But to preach Moses. So some of you need to hear about Moses, and you need to learn from, from Moses' experience, and so does Pastor Jim. And so we'll be looking at Moses this week. He knew about crazy love, right? <laughs> he loved him. He loved God. And he knew how not to waste his life. What's the answer? If I ask you, just simply, what's the one word answer? If I say, how do you not waste your life? There are several ways to answer that question, but what comes to your mind? How do you not waste your life? Delight in God daily. Bam. That's good. Delight. Any other words come to mind? Delight, love, obey. And everything, as we've been talking about in the young adults, everything's worship. Everything's worship. Everything you do is meant to be worship. God has structured your life in such a way that your work is worship. Your marriage is worship. Your dating is worship. It's all worship, beloved. The way you surf the internet, it's all meant to be worship. So, we see the story of Moses this week. And, yeah, to me it's encouraging. I hope that it is encouraging to you as well. From Abraham to Paul, as we've seen the last few weeks, Christianity, you're either all in or you're not in at all. There's not any middle place to be with God. I know that, hey, I grew up in a denomination where people just played religion. I get that. Most denominations, it's just people tipping their hat to God on Sunday because they think they ought to or they should or it's cultural or it's the least I can do uh, or God will be pleased with me. It makes me a better person if I go. Um, what we saw in Crazy Love, and for those of you who haven't read the book, please do. Read the book. Don't Waste Your Life is this call to be all in, right? We're all in. We're all in. 
with Jesus Christ every single day. We're all in. Right, Andrew? That's right. That's the cutest kid I think I've seen in a long time. Um, very cute. Okay. But he was, yeah, he sounded like he was into the sermon there just for a minute. Um, so I'm just, I'm just going to ask you. I'm just going to ask you. Here's the way it is. You either love him or you don't. Right? You either believe him or you don't. You either trust him or you don't. You either follow him or you don't. You either obey him or you don't. It's not hard. It's not hard. I heard an old preacher say, he's an old dead Puritan guy, he said, you know, God, God calls men and women to worship Him with their obedience, but instead they try to fool Him with their religion. And what I'm saying to you is I, as I'm coming out of Hebrews 11 uh, for some of these sermons is I'm calling you to obedience. We know God's not interested in religion. Jesus says, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments. And John 14.15 keeps coming up because you can't really obey God with glad, reckless joy if you don't understand John 14.15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll disclose myself to you. God says, I give myself to you. This is what Moses experiences. We saw, we saw it last week with Abraham, right? Abraham did the hard obedience. And who was there to meet him in it? God! Jehovah Jireh! The I will see to it God! Met him in the middle of hard obedience and he turned it all upside down and did a beautiful thing as Abraham sought to obey the Lord. We are not perfect. None of us are perfect in our obedience. We are never flawless, but we are relentless. Amen? Every true Christian in here understands this. I am relentless in my pursuit of obedience with God. I, am, I fail, and I fall, and I sin, and sometimes I'm just obstinate. But I am relentless. I will seek to obey the Lord. I will persevere in faith. So, we'll be looking at Moses for just a few moments this evening. And Moses' faith, you heard the text read. Where does it begin? Those of you who are parents, and those of you who will soon be parents, where does Moses' faith begin? His parents. It starts with his parents. That's where the text starts, right? You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't put stuff in the Bible for no reason. <laughs> okay, it starts with his parents. So, those of you who are parents, those of you who will be parents, you really need to pay attention here, right? Moses' faith begins with his parents. It's what God says in Hebrews 11. So, as you know, as the story begins here in the Hebrew text, as Moses is conceived, Israel is held in captivity in Egypt as slave labor. And the Pharaoh was concerned about the multiplication of, of Israel, and he was concerned about stability in the kingdom, and so he gave an order that every male child should be uh, put to death, right? So he could uh, control the population of his slave labor. We saw it in the text, Hebrews 11.23. It says, Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay? 
They were not afraid of the king's edict. They only had two choices. They either kill Moses or try to hide him and risk their own life, which is implicit in the king's edict that they would, be, they would forfeit their own life. So, do you see how far-reaching your faith as a parent is for your child? The best thing, the best gift you can give your children, it's not a, a pile of money. It's not a large inheritance. It's not a secure, privileged, comfortable lifestyle. Those are wonderful blessings. But the most important gift you can give to your child is that they watch you love God. Okay, they grow up watching you love God. They, they grow up watching this love affair that you have with God. You know, even unbelievers get this right. The most important teacher in a child's life are their parents, right? And your child needs to see that you make decisions based on the fact that your God, before your God, mountains tremble and melt like wax. You don't worry about every little thing that the whole world worries about. Your God is God. He does what He pleases. And He'll never leave me or forsake me. Beloved, I, I say this to you all the time, but there's just a ton of freedom here. There's a ton of freedom. If you'll actually believe what God says and incorporate it into your life, there's just all of this freedom there. So, Moses' parents, what did they set in motion? This, this legacy of we believe God, in the, even in the hard place, we believe God. I'm not, we're not afraid of the king's edict. We believe God. So parents, I will say, and future parents, will you be sure that your kids are exposed to the greatness of God as they just watch you live? It's the most important thing you will do for your child. It seems like I have a hard time convincing some men this is true. They think they've got to make a ton of money for their kids. What your kids really need is to see you love Christ and to see you live faith. When it gets hard and they watch Daddy do faith. Right? That's what God is calling us to yeah, so the unbelievers even understand how important the parent is as a teacher to the children. So we learn from Exodus chapter 2. You know the story. After three months, uh, Moses' mother puts him in a waterproof basket, puts him in the Nile, in the providence of God. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and adopts him. So Moses in the providence of God, he's raised up in the palace. He is a man of knowledge, and I think, yeah, Stephen says it in Acts 7.22, Moses was educated in all the learning of Egypt, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. You know the story. Then Moses ends up killing an Egyptian who was beating um, a Jewish slave. Pharaoh hears about it, and Moses flees, and he flees to Midian where he becomes a shepherd and settles down and marries a young woman. Then you know what happens. <laughs> God comes, right? God comes. Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. 
And God says, hey, I want you to go back to Egypt and bring my people out. Now, this is as impossible to Moses as what God is calling some of you to do right now. It just seems impossible. It's illogical. I don't have what it takes. I could never do that. I must be hearing God wrong. We know Moses is astounded at this because he tries to talk God out of it five times. You know the text? He tries to excuse himself five times. Moses says, well, what about this? And what does God say? I'm God! Shut up! Karen says, don't say shut up in a sermon. But, you know, sometimes it's right. Moses says, well, what about that? I'm God! Well, what about the other thing? I'm God! Beloved, your God is God. Just do it. Just do what He says. Just do it. Stop being afraid. It's an insult to God to say, I am a believer, I'm a follower, and then, you know, when the heat comes, to fold. It's an insult to God. We talked a lot about it last week. Just folding under pressure, you know? Just caving in when it gets hard in the world. We don't have to do that. In fact, we shouldn't do that. Our God's God. The earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. You got a problem? The earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. Go look at the Alps. They melt like wax before our God. You know, this is not just poetry. It's not just beautiful language. God means for you to take this stuff and live this stuff. Oh, I got a problem. I don't think I can obey God. It looks too costly and risky, too hard. He says, I am the God before whom the earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. <laughs> you know, what are you afraid of? I will be with you. As he was, we saw last week, with Abraham. So do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe He is who He says He is? Do you, believe what he, do you believe He can do what He says He can do? Do you believe Hebrews 11.6 that He is and that He's a rewarder? If you believe these things, you can be like Abraham. You can be like Moses. You can do the Word of God. I'm going to reread the text again and I want, I want you to listen for a couple of things. When I get through, I want you to tell me um, what Moses refuses to do, what he chose to do, what he considered, what he was looking at, and what he was seeing. Okay? This is what you have to see. When God calls you to do the hard thing, right? You need to do exactly what Moses is doing in the text. Okay? By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. So, the question is, what did he refuse to do? And just to make this brief, 
Um, he refused to pursue the riches of the world. Some of you, are, okay, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just guessing some of you haven't made that decision yet. You're not really sure. I'm kind of on the fence about this. I think I may want the riches of the world. I think the riches of the world will make me happy. I'll be happier if I have the riches of the world. Hey, Moses grew up in a palace. Then he saw God and he made his choice. I'm just saying go to school on, on what you see Moses doing, right? Moses grew up in luxury. He chose God. Okay? Alright, next. What did he choose? Well, I just told you. He chose to be counted with the people of God. What did he consider? He considered Christ greater gain than the world. Greater gain than being a prince. <laughs> you think you're, you you're going to give up something? You know, look what Moses was giving up. He was a prince. He says, it's dung to me. He says, this is dung to me compared to Jesus Christ. What was he looking at? He was looking at the reward. He was looking at heaven. He was taking the long view. I was talking with someone earlier, man. This is what Christians do. We take the long view. We don't take the five-year plan. We may have a five-year plan, but it's all subject to the providence of God. We take the long view. We have the billion eternity plan. That's what we have. And then he was seeing, I love this, he was seeing him who is unseen. Moses faced the same decision that you and I face, right? We have to decide who we really are and how we're going to live. What my priorities are. It's a real simple thing. I'm going to pursue God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, or I'm not. <laughs> It's not. It is what it is. It is what it is. So, we have the same decision. Am I going to do what Moses did? Am I going to refuse the riches of the world? Am I going to choose to be counted among the people of God? Am I going to uh, consider Him great, greater riches? Am I looking at heaven? Am I seeing God? It's your decision, beloved. And you have to weigh it out. You have to weigh out where the gain is for you. You weigh it out. I'm going to tell you where the gain is. You already know where the gain is. The gain is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and some of you are still... You're still not sure. And I say to you from the Word of God, you need to be sure. You need to make sure. This is business you need to do with God. If, you, if this is undone... If you've left this undone, you need to make sure you get this sorted out with the Lord. I love what John MacArthur says here about Moses. From a worldly perspective, Moses was sacrificing everything for nothing. But from a spiritual perspective, he was sacrificing nothing for everything. When you finally get to that place with Jesus Christ, He'll use you to turn the world upside down. You say, Jim, that sounds like a grandiose statement. Well, here's, here's what I mean by that. He'll turn your orbit upside down. <laughs> okay, And everybody He brings into your orbit is going to see and savor and taste the greatness of God. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. It's what Francis Chan has been saying to us. It's what John Piper has been saying to us. 
Hebrews 11.27, Moses was looking at Him who is unseen. We, we, we talked about it last week or the week before. I think it was... I forget now. But Hebrews 11.1, 1, what is the definition of faith? What is it? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Moses tried to excuse himself, but ultimately he bowed to I am, right? He bowed to I am and he obeyed the Lord. And God says, hey, I'm going to give you an angelic army and a vast array of weaponry to go down there and deliver those people. Is that how it went? Does anybody know the story? You remember God said, what do you got in your hand? What, what did Moses have in his hand? God says, I'll tell you what. You take that stick and you obey me and I'll deliver a people through you. You say, Jim, I don't, I don't have the resources. I don't have what it takes. Wrong. You walk with God. You have all you need. God delivered His people with a stick. A willing man... Not too willing to begin with. And if God's really calling you to hard stuff, I get that. I've been to, in the not too willing category before. But He'll convince you. <laughs> you just keep looking at Him, He'll convince you. I'll deliver my people with you and a stick. Do you know what God will do through you if you will simply obey God? Do you know all the eternal fruit that will, that will come forth? That God will, bring, God will bring glory to Himself for a billion eternities through all the fruit that he, he brings through you as you just simply love people and share the truth? Jim, I, 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 I'm not extraordinary. I know you're not. I know most of you. None of you are extraordinary. Nor am I. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God is extraordinary. And God will use you in an extraordinary way when you just open your hands with Him, right? When you just open your hands. So, God says, take your stick and go to Egypt and I'll show you some stuff. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing about obeying God, right? He's always showing you stuff, man. He's always showing you cool stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's John 14, 21. God says, I'll disclose myself. I had a young man ask me this week, well, what does it mean God will disclose yourself, his, his, himself? What does that mean? I said, well, obey him and find out. He shows up. He just shows up and he does stuff that he otherwise would not have done because you wouldn't have been in that place. And so when you step into that hard place, bam, he's right there. We saw it with Abraham last week. We, if you study the life of Moses, you see it. We saw it with Stephen. In his stoning, God just shows up and does amazing things through His people. So, Moses, and this is another point I want to make about Moses. You guys remember what he prayed, right? In Exodus 33. Okay, Moses had seen more of God than any person had ever seen other than Adam and Eve. Okay? 
Since the fall, nobody had seen as much of God as Moses had seen. And I have a litany here. Um, He saw Him at the burning bush. He witnessed the sovereign power of God as He crushed Egypt. He saw God open the Red Sea. He saw God give manna from heaven. And He drank water from a rock. He received Ten Commandments directly from God. He firsthand, in a first-hand way, He saw both the grace and the wrath of God in the Jewish camp. Deuteronomy 34.10 There was no prophet like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. But what was Moses' prayer in Exodus 33? Anybody remember? I love this. The prayer God loves more than any other. God, show me Your glory. Moses had seen all of this glory. And what does Moses know? I haven't seen anything yet. Right? Listen, I want you to get this. I want you to get, you never get to the end of the glory of God. This is why real Christians never don't persevere. Because they, you know, they get that taste of the glory of God in their mouth and they, they want more of it. Well, how do you get more of it? You just keep walking with Him and you just keep doing what He says. <laughs> and He just keeps showing up, man. You know, if I could hand anything off to you, I would hand this off to you. That you knew this and you would begin to live this. Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, no man can see me and live. This is your God before whom the earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. And wait, you're afraid of your boss? What? Oh, you're you're afraid of of saying Jesus at, at the university? What? I mean, really, you have to step back and look at how comical this is. I know it's not comical when we compromise, but it really ultimately is comical. We say we believe in the God before whom the earth melt and the mountains melt like wax, and then we are afraid to be His witness in the world. Beloved, it ought not be this way. It ought to not be this way. So I've been a Christian for 35 years. Yes, that's longer than some of you have been alive. And I know this. This is my testimony to you as an old man who will soon qualify for Social Security. Um, You never get to the end of God. You never get to the end of God. There's always more. You will, when, you, when you give yourself to obedience, just expect He's going to be there. Just expect He's going to teach you something new about Himself. Just expect worship. Just expect awe. Just expect wonder. Just expect joy. Because this is what He does with His people who will go with him. So Moses gets it. He's figured it out. He's weighed it out, right? We saw it in the text. He's weighed it out. He says, man, the, the people of God and, and God are worth more than the riches of Egypt and I'm, I'm seeing Him who is unseen. He's my reward. We talked a whole lot about it last week as the text clearly says about Abraham. God was His reward. So the Lord hates 
this whole lukewarm thing that happens in the modern church. Of course, it's happened ever since the church was born. There are always hangers-on. There are always people who don't really love Him. And they're hangers-on. But I want to say to you, it's my pleasure to teach these young adults who just come back every week and they listen to the hard stuff. Right? And it's my pleasure to preach to you older folks who are not part of the young adult group and you come back. I've been thinking, why do they come back? You know? <laughs> I, like, I, I like strong preaching. I like to be under conviction. I like to go on with God. I don't like to sit down and be still and, and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't find the word. You know, just go brain dead. I mean, so it's in love that I exhort you to go on with God. Real Christians never get comfortable. Real Christians push the envelope. Real Christians find new ways to honor and obey the Lord. And it's not about ought and should. It's about I love Him and I want more of Him. So, Moses knew more about God than any man who'd ever walked the planet. And Moses knew he hadn't seen anything yet. And what I want to say to each one of you Christians here tonight, each one of you who are born again, you haven't seen anything yet. You say, Jim, I haven't felt God powerfully in my life for a while. Obey. It's not rocket science. And He will be a powerful presence in your life. So we read these words about Moses. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. For he endured as seeing Him who is unseen. Beloved, just this, these few verses here, this is how you are a real Christian in the real world. By these three to five things, whatever they were. Right? I'll just say them. To refuse to love the world, to choose to love God, to consider Him greater gain than anything else, to look at the reward and to see Him in His Word. He is the God before whom the earth trembles and the mountains melt like wax. His greatness is unsearchable. He does whatever He pleases. Give, your way to, give yourself away to that God. And your joy will be full. Not only in this life, but for the next billion eternities. I love you guys, man. I want, I want all of this for you. I want all of this for you. I want more of it for me. I've got a long way to go. Hey, I'm not standing up for saying I got it all made, all figured out. I've got a long way to go. Okay? But it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Hebrews 11 is a good place to, to park and study. So, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table.